0: This is the WorkSmart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 417. Anthony Gailey on owning the stage. Welcome to the WorkSmart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success.
1: Here's your host, Jason Lynette.
0: Welcome back to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast, and a welcome back to Anthony Gailey, which I believe in this conversation you're about to listen to, I may have miscounted, that this, I believe, is the fourth time that he's been a guest here on this program. Now, if you're not familiar with his work, links to everything in terms of the previous episodes and the show notes of this episode, which you can find over at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 417, though Anthony is kind of someone who had to invent his own way, that by beginning the journey, as many of us did seeing clients... It was seeing the opportunity to become that person who would then step onto the platform and then present what would basically fit into the category of stage hypnosis. However, while many people in the hypnosis industry looked at it from the perspective of, I'm a stage hypnotist who does an entertainment program, and now I can share a motivational message for a corporate audience, perhaps, or any other audience you're looking at targeting— Anthony kind of flipped the model, came out as the corporate speaker who then happened to do a hypnosis demonstration. And if you're curious what that did, was that basically he invented a market. He created a space, and not that everything is about money, although it does speak in terms of where people put their focus, while some were struggling to bring in an income per program, let's say over $2,000 in income, Anthony's told stories even on this podcast of some of the companies that have brought him back year after year, and it's significantly more. And in recent years, I'll phrase it this way attempted to retire, attempted being the key word. Hopefully, as he's listening to this, even he's smiling at that one, which is then he began to run his corporate hypnotist masterclass event, as well as doing some private consulting. And what's kind of interesting about this conversation is how. A lot of this really came about, moved into the training as he was having the intention of stepping away from so many hours on the road, so many days away, though, as he says it here, if these companies are now basically virtually pounding on his door, trying to get him to come back and do these programs, it means there's even more of them out there that want this kind of program as well. And so that's where, yes, Anthony's got a training event that's coming up, I believe in September in Las Vegas. I'll just put all the links in details, and I'm recording this well in advance, and here's me calling my shot. Go to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 417, and by going to that page, I don't have it yet. We'll see if we can get a coupon code for those of you that are curious to check that out, because I've... Attended it twice for a while. I helped him to promote it. And here's the real takeaway of this conversation you're about to listen to, which is first of all, kicking off with kind of the State of the Union. You know, yes, it's clear that live events kind of went away for a while and it was kind of concerning. And now they're rapidly on the upward swing. And one of the themes that I highly respect that Anthony talks about is that of the rate of adoption, that to look at smartphones weren't really a thing 20, 25 years ago, and now most of us can't imagine living without them. You know, my children, I think I mentioned this in the intro on last week's podcast episode of the number 416 on online challenges. It's where, like, they didn't get raised with the understanding of waiting for the commercials to finish before the TV show would come back on. It's just a different generation And we kind of go deep into what's kind of the big topic on everyone's mind right now, which is what is modern technology going to do to us, especially with gatherings? Here's what AI is opening up. Here's what software is opening up. Here's, we recorded this, I believe, right after Apple rolled out their, what's it called? The Vision Pro. It's not just virtual reality, it's augmented reality. And when you hear what the two of us are kind of predicting in terms of what this is going to do in terms of events and what's truly going to become the new currency in terms of how we communicate with each other, it's where this is definitely one worth listening to. And then finally, of course, one of the passions that I find in working with Anthony and having known him for the last couple of years now is that it's not just the, oh, more people want the class. Let me offer it again. It's this true desire to continuously make it better and better, and you're going to want to listen all the way through to the end of this episode for some of the insights that he shares on how to get the incredible feedback that you need, not just so you've got those glowing testimonials, so that instead you know how to become world-class at what you do highly recommend the event that he puts on. It's happening once again out in Las Vegas at a truly one-of-a-kind location. You'll hear the details in this conversation. I'll make it easy for you by heading over to the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 417. And with that, let's dive directly into this week's episode. Here we go. This is session number 417, Anthony Gailey on Owning the Stage.
1: You know, I am sorry that I moved away from Florida just as you were moving into it, because when you said you were moving to Florida, I was thinking we could have such interesting dinners and lunches and conversations.
0: And I'm glad that you said that and we're already now recording. So I think that's the official start of the podcast that Jason Lynette moved to Florida and that's why Anthony Gailey moved away. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're doing well. And glad to have you on here. I believe this is the third time you've been on the program. This, of course, is I'm looking at my cheat sheet episode number 417 and kind of tell the backstory of what I'm excited to get into because I was having this conversation here with Anthony and we got onto this topic and I was like, no, 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 stop talking. I need to pull up some software. Click this other link. I'm like, this needs to be a podcast, which will kind of set the stage for the conversation that I rightfully squashed. To which then let's do it again with an audience this time around, which we were getting onto the topic of a lot of people know that you do the Corporate Hypnotist Masterclass. Yet the topic of doing something several times over, getting feedback from the audience, and then this theme of constant improvement and looking to make it better and better along the way. I just kind of set the stage for this conversation I'm excited that a bunch of people are going to listen to I'm sure I'll share some insights on even you know client work and the work that we do so not just for trainers but also practitioners I just got to kick this off with the sort of 30,000 foot view question first that the way that you now teach what you do to bring that knowledge back to even day 1 when you decided to start to share what you took all these years to figure out and truly become the expert at What do you think has been like that biggest epiphany of stepping into that trainer role since you started this this part of the journey?
1: That the feedback that I get from people is the greatest guide as to how to build the program. When I first decided to do it, James Mapes and I had come up with the idea that we were both corporate speakers and we saw that a lot of stage hypnotists and hypnotherapists could and should be doing it and weren't and we deduced that the simple reason was they just didn't know how so we let's to put together a program for them and when we did that i we structured it this is what i this is what we think they would need to get into the business and then when people began signing up i called each one and asked them what do you expect to get out of this this is these are the topics i intend to cover is there anything i'm missing is i don't want you at the end of the program i want you to say this i got what i went there for and that was extremely helpful because they came up with a lot of topics and concepts and ideas that we were not including because we assumed just people, we just assume people knew it and they don't. And I think you came to the fourth program that I have did. And you know that I would always hand out at the end of the program questionnaires. What did you like best? What did you like least? How would you rate this? How would you rate that? How can we improve it? And Got a lot of great feedback from that, and we, we would always take them seriously and kept improving it. But what I believe improved it most was I got emails and um, calls from people around the world. There were people in Australia, um, Singapore, France. I cannot afford to come to your program in person. I don't have it on the Internet. Would you train me one to one? And I did for a few of them. And that was remarkably helpful because instead of doing the two-hour session with them, I was doing it for an hour a week for like eight or nine sessions. And at the end, the beginning of each session, they would say, taught me last week, I need a little bit more of this or a little less of this, or you know, I, I need to cover this area that wasn't covered. And it really was revealing because I was getting... Direct feedback from people that were out there trying to implement it and put it in the field. That was extremely helpful. So that improved the program dramatically.
0: Well, let, let me kind of let me pull something out of that real quick, which I'm going to have to make this extremely general. Yet it's because I know they're an avid listener of this program. Somebody who was a first time guest on this program in the year 2003, 23. So we've now deduced it down to at least 12 names was in a situation where I had to point out, I go, okay, that's option number one. Option number two is to learn from what I've kind of perceived to be one of the biggest mistakes that I've made and one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make, which is, yes, at some point there has to be the spark of inspiration to go, here's a service I want to offer. Here's a class I want to teach. Here's a product I want to build. Yet the biggest mistake is building that in this echo chamber entirely from the perspective of assumption. It's to be guessing what people need. And I'm going to use the word expert here, not in any sense of arrogance at all. Yet, of course, handsome experts like you and I have, no, hang on. (laughs) No, it's that revelation that the things that often you would think to be the easiest part of what you do is someone else's extremely specific pain point. And it's not to say, oh, make it simpler, make it easier. Don't make things complicated, but simplicity is what sells. And it's those littlest of details of what happens differently when you know The route that I tend to say is pick the thing you know you can do and then announce to the world, hey, this is coming, and then begin to have these conversations because now you're going to start to dial in. This is what people actually want. This is what they're actually trying to do, only because I've heard the story a bunch of times. You might have told it on here before. Can we sidebar to the moment where it became the subconscious secrets of business transition to the subconscious secrets of selling? I might have the name slightly off, but I'm on track here, I believe. Yes. Yeah.
1: I began the corporate speaking career basically speaking to real estate agents and insurance agents because they were groups that would have a large number of people. They had regular sales meetings and they hired speakers. So I titled the program, The Subconscious Aspects of Sales. It just made sense. I was doing it. I had all the materials printed. I was doing the program. This is way back in 1980. It was a sales program. Someone came up to me like two years into the program and said, you know, you were considered to be a speaker at this big management meeting. They bring people in here from all over the world and it was going to be a thousand people and your name came up, but someone said, well, he's a sales trainer. And so they hired someone else. And I realized that instant that it was because of the way I branded myself. By calling myself the subconscious aspects of sales, I was eliminating every other aspect or segment of business. So the next day, I changed one word, titled it the subconscious aspects of business. And it sounds silly, but if I got a call, can you do a management meeting? Yeah, you know I'm great with managers. Can you do something for our customer service reps? Absolutely. You know my presentation would be fabulous for customer service reps. Just by changing one word, it greatly broadened my potential market. And I had done it myself by calling myself the subconscious aspects of sales. So you'd be careful as to how you brand yourself. I think is important.
0: Well, this is one of the things we were talking about before hopping on that, yes, it's a separate company from this one, WorkSmart Hypnosis. Yet the other company for about two years was called Hypnotic Influence for Premium Sales, which is about ethical sales persuasion, going out to an audience that, yeah, there's A lot of our hypno crew inside of it, but also we bring in a whole lot of other coaches and people, even with, you know, e-commerce products and such. And it's that anecdote that's so often in the structure of how people write books. What turned out to be the subtitle might've actually been a better title. And uh, all the marketing for that company was hypnotic influence for premium sales, the process to the step-by-steps to quote, attract pre-sold clients. And suddenly it was that revelation to go, the stuff that leads with those other words of attract pre-sold clients, that gets more clicks, that gets more shares. We don't have time for this. We need to rebrand. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) But it's, It's to not be, this is the story of the person who was a guest in the program. This is not in the recording. I'm keeping it generic, but I'm hinting at it heavily so they hear it too. It's what happens if we go again into that echo chamber and just build the thing that, I'm going to be cautious how I say it, but I do want it to sting for those who need it to, to build the thing that you are so excited about building, but unfortunately you haven't yet realized or proven that people actually want it let alone need it. And the pathway to do that is exactly what Anthony's telling the story of here of listening.
1: The program you went to, I emphasized and still emphasize I make a statement, the audience will take you to the promised land.
0: Yeah.
1: Again, when I began teaching these programs in 1980, you know, being a corporate speaker, I had things I wanted to say. I had things that I thought were important and I thought that they would be helpful to these people and I thought that it would help them know, improve their business and one of them had dealt with neurology because I'd come out of a master's program in experimental psychology so I'm doing my program and one section of it was included these neurological techniques and at the end I carefully surveyed a number of the people and they said well I loved when you did the visualization you know love the hypnosis love the thing about self imagery but when you got to the neurology stuff you kind of lost me so I figured I wasn't doing it correctly so I tried to spice it up or make it more understandable, but I kept hearing the same thing: "Love this, love this, love this." But when you got to that part, and so I dropped it. And the reason I was reluctant to drop it is I thought it was a great idea. They <laughs> needed to hear it, you know. I thought I was. I thought that would help them. And I rapidly learned it's not important what I think. That in this business, what's important is what they think. And so they molded my talk. And a lot of the people that come to my program will say, "Well, what do I say to the people? You know, this is the topic that I want to talk to them about. This is what I'm passionate about. Uh, so put your program together, go out there, but at the for the first eight to ten programs, at the end, solicit comments strongly. You know, please tell me what did you like, but more importantly, what how could I improve it? You know And if you ask politely, the keywords words are, don't be shy. I really want to hear it. You may find that they say it was, everything was wonderful. But if you hear them saying, like this, like this, didn't like that, wasn't relevant, doesn't fit within my industry, you've got to have enough of a strong ego to drop it. It's all about them, not about you. And if you listen, they will tell you what they want to hear. And as I say, that's what will make you popular, lead them to the promised land.
0: Well, here's a conversation that I don't think I've ever had with anyone before, and I think now's the time, which is there's a different dialogue that occurs when it's asking for the testimonial. There's a different dialogue that occurs when it's asking for feedback. It's a different dialogue when it's just, let me ask you some questions. So is there anything you can track that you were consciously doing to you know, not just get the, and let me say this politely and throw myself under the bus with this next statement too I also have a bunch of these videos I just wrapped up Jason's class it was so helpful and I have made it a point in recent years to focus on what's that longevity testimonial I learned this from Jason 4 years ago and here's what I've been doing with it ever since so we can get that you know sort of glowing positive testimonial yet That kind of keeps us where we are, not to minimize it. So is there anything consciously you can track besides the, and be honest, you know, that sort of thing to get something that's really going to move that needle forward for people? Yeah.
1: For some reason, the key words were don't be shy. That, those, for whatever reason, are almost like magic words, breaks down a lot of emotional barriers. Don't be, especially if you're talking to salespeople, accuse them of being shy, they'll Assertive, just to prove to you they're not shy. So you know, don't be shy. I really want to hear it, and I am more interested in your criticism than your praise. I to improve. You know, I want to to have the best program I possibly can. Now, here's what I found: the people that actually will come up and comment predominantly are older women. <laughs> they will, they they will tear you apart. <laughs> were, I don't know why, but the old ladies would come up, and they were brutally honest when I was first giving presentations, obviously I wasn't as polished as I could have been. And one person said, you're Italian, aren't you? (laughs) Because you wave your hands around all the time and you have this bad habit of waving one hand across your face. It's very distracting, you need to lose that habit. And I wasn't even aware of doing it. So that comment was important to me. And I recall the next time I did a program, I was trying to keep my hands under control. (laughs) I would stick them in the side pockets of my suit jacket. My hands still went flying around. I remember hearing the ripping sound. I literally ripped the back of the jacket. Mm-hmm. My, my hands were
0: flying. Anthony, Anthony, I've done that too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it helped. You know, I, mean,
0: yeah. I wasn't even aware I was doing it. i I throw in just a little adjustment to that, which is, and I'm going to have to go obscure reference on this one here, which would be, There's a movie called Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. And it's one of the movies where Will Ferrell is playing a race car driver. So then hilarity ensues. And the opening scene, one of the opening scenes of the movie is he's the race car driver who's now apparently being interviewed on television for the first time ever. And just he's never been on camera and he doesn't know how to be natural. And the whole routine is while he's being interviewed like his hands are just slowly creeping up to his face. It's like, you can put your hands down. I don't know where to put my hands. Relax them down by your sides. And I know we're recording audio only here, but like imagine I'm now putting my hands as close up to my armpits on my sides without crossing my arms. So my elbows are out like wings like this. And it's not to say the lesson is often not to go, don't gesture, don't gesticulate, don't pace. It's instead that, These are tools that we can make use of and to do them with intention. So they serve a specific purpose and benefit rather than that's just what I always do. So if it's going to have a meaning, no matter what, the way that you were asking that of, you know, I don't just want the, my, my playful phrases, and I'm not just looking for the high fives and attaboys and you're awesome. You know, it's the real honest feedback that I'm going to thank you for, you know, even better. This is not meant to be the humble brag story, yet when I did the rollout of my book, I have a mailing list. I gave a group of people who requested to join this thing, a temporary Facebook group, and, hey, if you join this, you're going to get an advanced PDF copy of the book, and asking for a huge favor because you've joined this community which is the day that it releases. I'm going to put it on Amazon for like three days for free. And here's the sequence to help us out. You'll have already read the book by the PDF and you have to then step one, go to Amazon, get the free download. Step two, wait two days. Step three, then go back and leave a review. And I was putting this in there. I'm like, and don't think it only needs to be positive praise. You know, you can write about anything. If I can just give one suggestion, I want more stuff on this angle. If that didn't align, it's okay. And some people might remember this. And if I remember, I might have the name wrong, but he's awesome either way. So let's drop his name anyway. I had to email the list at one point to go, we only have five star reviews. This doesn't look real. At least one of you had to have some, and like in the editing process, there were people who had access to editing copies and I was getting all sorts of feedback then, but I took nine months to do a 90 day program is the story of that book. (laughs) And it was sending out this message going, someone has to have at least one critical thing about this. And I think it was actually, his name was Justin Turpin who swooped in and went three star review. And I then called him up to go, you jerk. Like what? No, I'm kidding. Thank you. Thank you. I really love what you wrote. Let's talk about it. (laughs) But it's and he's a good guy. No, but it's that willingness to, you know, listen to the praise, but at the same time be open to some of the criticism. And I'd share the anecdote that I did this for years. I still continue to do this when I can, which is to randomly go through my database and find somebody who, let's say, signed up for a digital program of mine and I've never spoken to them. And just one part of it is surprise the hell out of them, customer service. Hey, how are you liking it? What questions do you have? What could be better? And did that with clients too. And it wasn't meant to be the mechanism that got me over time, what turned out to be the best testimonials and reviews for the company. Yet it was, hey, you saw me 18 months ago. Let me just kick this off right. I genuinely just want to ask you some questions and I'm not going to try to sell you anything. You got five minutes? It's like, oh, yeah. And it's to just break that rhythm of what they're expecting it to be. And I got to ask you, was there any feedback that made you uncomfortable? Oh, yeah
1: some of it. A woman came up early on and said, every example in your presentation is about a male. You'll tell a metaphor, one guy did this, or if you had two guys or you know, something, and she goes, 52% of the workforce now is female, and you need to be aware of that. And I wasn't even, I didn't even know I was doing that. I had not even noticed, but she was absolutely correct. It was just the way that I talked. When I related stories, it was Met a guy who did this, and imagine you're a guy doing this, and everything was about guy. It was, it was egocentric, and that was the point. It's not about me. It's about them. It's about my audience, which is mixed and predominant. You know, more women than men on the average because there are more women in the population and more women in the workforce. And so, if you ever listen to my presentations now, if I do or give an example, I met a man, or here's a, if you're a guy, a person. The next example will be about a woman. I. Balance it out 50-50. And I can directly attribute it to that woman that gave me that comment years and years ago. Wasn't even aware I was doing it. And she was absolutely correct.
0: I'll tell you mine. <laughs> Which was that story you told that was really, really great. You could probably cut half of it because only half of it is important to you. The other half was important to the audience. Good point. <laughs> Beautifully. Two things. One, well, that's going to keep me up tonight. And um, two, thank you. I'm selling some. Programs over at my table. If you were to buy everything, it'd be like four thousand dollars. Follow me over; I'm giving it to you. So, no, that's not the invite to say, "Everybody, Anthony and I will both be at Hypno Thoughts." This is releasing about a week before the conference. That's not to say just come insult us, and then we'll give you free stuff. <clears throat> but it's it's that's the feedback that we often need the most, and to even go out of our way. And this is something that you and I were chatting about before. Of talking to other people that we know. My my whole theme in the last couple of years has been, and again, I say these things and (laughs) any criticism that could be put out there around some of these intros to the stories, trust me, I've said worse, that I purposefully am putting myself in rooms at times where like, okay, the business hit seven figures in 2022. Let me put myself in a room though where I feel like a startup. Let me put myself in a room where I'm around people where it's like, wow, I'm not even trying by comparison. And the reality is we can always build the kind of business that we want. My values changed recently as someone who's now a job creator and responsible for other people and helping out their families. And that's why things also continue to grow. But it's that it's that ability to look at it from the angle of improvement, which we're kind of on this topic. So I want to expand this to people in the audience because the mistake would be, okay, well, Anthony does this class now about... Corporate speaking and corporate hypnotism. And here's what Jason does. But I'm not a trainer. I'm trying to get my first couple of clients. Let you take this one first for those that are even, let's say, simply seeing clients, which there's nothing wrong with if the model of the business is one room or one Zoom connection, and they're working with clients one at a time, how would you kind of modify some of the topics we've talked on to then make it so that the process for the clients and the business continues to get better and better?
1: The public speaking derived, my public speaking derived out of being a hypnotherapist. I had, you know, came out of this graduate program and purchased a hypnotherapy practice from a guy who had been in the program with me. He was 10 years older than I was and had an established business in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I had not planned on being a hypnotherapist, but he trained me how to market the business and how to run it. And one way in which he marketed it, he would put in those days, press releases. way well, you, you communicated in 1970, this would have been 1976.
0: The formulas are still the same. The technologies are different. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah newspapers, TV, and radio. And so he had a, a list of the public relations people for all the newspaper radio and TV in the miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach area. And about every ninety days, I'd send out a press release for immediate releases of public service. The South Florida Society of Professional Hypnosis once again offers its free speaker program to nonprofit uh, organizations. If your group or service organization would like a professional speaker to come and address the topic of what is hypnosis and how can it change your life, contact the number. And I remember he shook my hand when he gave me the list. He said, congratulations, you are now the South Florida Society. (laughs) (laughs) But I would send this, you know, you send these out, this press release, and the the phone rang continually. We're a women's group. We are a condo group. We're a church group. We are Lions Club. We're Kiwanis. We are Shriners. They were all looking for sp- free speakers. And in that format, you typically don't only talk for 15 or 20 minutes. But you, I would go up and I would give a little exam. This is what hypnosis is, and this is how it works. And I would take a pendulum. I'd pull someone out of the audience and just do the pendulum demonstration. You know, imagine it swinging back. They would swoon. Oh, my gosh, most amazing thing I ever saw. And give them a sheet of paper. The questions they ask and answer their questions had my name and address contact information and it was like clockwork 2 weeks later i heard you speak at the lions club i want to stop smoking or i want to lose weight that's how i built the business i giving it ended up in the newspaper i was on tv i was on these radio shows i was astounded at how um, much exposure i got just from doing that but that was building the business and so that's how you can take public speaking and take and be a hypnotherapist to use it to build your business that's how i built the business
0: And I do have to correct myself. I just cheated and took a peek here. This is the fourth time you've been on, and this is session number 417. So if you're counting number 61, number 126, and number 2 I'll make this easy. Everything that we're talking about here, we'll put in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 417. We'll just put everything over there. Here's the thing I've been also wanted to just talk to you about which is clearly there's this window of time where big in-person events stopped and oh now they're back. So what's kind of your state of the union of that speaking industry now?
1: Oh, it's it's roaring back. It's you know, we had the financial crisis in 2008 which pretty much stopped and then the president
0: can we bring dead. Gilda Radner into this conversation here? Just goes sure. just just goes to show you there's always something.
1: <laughs> yeah. But in 2008 it stopped dead because of financial crisis and everybody then was pretty the end of the meetings and the public speaking and all that jazz and it took about a year and it came roaring back and covid the same thing I heard from a lot of the speakers this is the end of it you know first thing I pointed out we have this huge infrastructure in this company country take a look at Las Vegas all those meeting spaces Palm Springs you know Atlantic City all those huge enormous meeting spaces there's a giant multi-billion dollar industry they're not going they're going to do something to bring it back. And secondly, they need to get back. People do are finding out that virtual is fine and has its place, but they still want people in person. It's right now, it's, it's back up and just like it was before. I'm getting, you know, I had retired from the public speaking five, six, seven years ago, and I've gotten a half a dozen calls. Are you available? They are looking for speakers. It's, it's roaring back. And I think it will continue. When radio came out, they said it was going to kill records, you know, or, or I'm sorry, when records came out, it was going to kill radio. And then when TV came out, it was that was supposed to kill and TV was going to kill because who's going to go pay to see a live performance when you can watch them for free on television? Well, live performances are making more money now than they ever did. I'll take a look at what happened with Taylor Swift. There's football games. You can sit in your room and see it from every angle and all. Why would people spend $200 to go get a football ticket? They do because... There's a portion that want to see it live.
0: So the business is great. And could I share my unofficial prediction here? Sure. Which is that with everything that is currently thriving with the current state of, and I'm always going to put this little modifying word in it, of consumer-grade AI, artificial intelligence, we are currently in a state of things where stuff is being created so quickly. And the favorite story that I've got of this is James Cameron doing the movie Avatar 2, which was The Way of Water. And it's more the fact that they fed like 40 or 50,000 hours of video of water into a computer. So it could then generate the sequencing to then, by software, animate water. And now that's something they have the intellectual property on, and they can sell to other people, other film companies. And as much as that's already on like the top 10 grossing movies of all time, they'll probably do better from the sale of that animation technology than even the movie. And so we're in this space where now I've heard you talk about rate of adoption. I think you actually talked about how fast the smartphone was adopted first time you were on this program. I think that was the episode 61 one. And it's where we're in this mode right now, where one, you can't ignore it. Two, it's not going away. Yet, I firmly believe one of the side effects is going to be that we're in this phase right now of this massive rush of new digital content that's going to make people even hungrier now for human connections. And it's going to have this effect of bringing more people together than ever before. And The key, though, is it's up to the person putting on the event, the person putting on the presentation, the person putting out the product to define, here's what this is going to do. If it's the same in person as it is online, then online is going to win. If instead, here's what's different about the experience, and you got to go back to the Taylor Swift one to go whatever the song is, where there's this moment where the lyric has someone proposing and like in every concert, there were dozens of people getting engaged. (laughs) And there's more videos of that one song people were sharing online. She's brilliant for here's all the other tours that, oh, when you go in, you have to get your phone locked in this bag because we don't want videos of this online. And there's a ridiculous number of videos of her tours. And that's why prices are going up and people are scalping the tickets like crazy. And let's take down Ticketmaster next year. But let's stay on topic here. But it's that we're going to have this hunger for connection. And it's the bringing of people together. And it's that change in dynamic. I've got people on my team that I hadn't met in person. And finally, we've been working together for six to nine months and finally got together. It's like, oh, we're doing this better now. <laughs> so it's it's a yes and. It's not a yeah but, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. You know, the only thing constant is change. And usually you can't predict what's going to come from the change. When you see things like Facebook and Twitter, who could have predicted some of the things, the impacts it's had on society. When it first came out, it was looked at as being one thing, and then it typically morphs and evolves into something else. And all, the example is the electric guitar. Now, it was made just to amplify music, and then they they started turning to the amp, Oh, make like, all those crazy sounds with it, like Jimi Hendrix. I mean... It evolved into a sound and an instrument that no one anticipated when it was originally invented to do nothing more than amplify the sound. And AI is coming, it's here, and it's going to bring about huge amounts of changes, and it would be futile in one respect to say that you fully expect that this is going to happen because probably things you don't expect to happen are going to occur. But constant throughout, there's the need for the human interaction. Just they're getting $800 or something for a ticket to see Taylor Swift. And you're sitting in the in the rafters.
0: I tried to buy tickets. It was
1: not 800. It was. <laughs> it's a great example of the power of people wanting to see it live and in person,
0: wanting to share the experience. And I go back to the presentations of yours that I've seen. Around here's the theme around goal setting, and there comes this point where the where the robots can get us closer, but then the next step is that we actually have to do the follow through. Which I know we're coming up on time here in terms of our schedules i wanted to hear some of the updates again we randomly decided to start recording this one here you've got another event coming up in september september
1: 16th and 17th saturday and sunday and then there's a cocktail hour always the friday before
0: yeah and this is one of those aspects of what you do that i i i love which is kind of walk us through this journey of day before and then here's the two days what's that What's that user experience? What, that, what is it that people can expect from this?
1: The event is at Catherine Hickland's private theater. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but Catherine Hickland was a television star and she's married to Todd Fisher, who was Carrie Fisher from Star Wars brother and uh, Debbie Reynolds' child. So Debbie Reynolds did Singing in the Rain and Eddie Fisher was a famous singer. And of course, Carrie Fisher did all these Star Wars Debbie Reynolds was a compulsive collector of memorabilia. So the place is filled with all this incredible movie memorabilia. They've got, you know, the, the
0: camera that... I just uh, love uh, the Charlie one had. little nuance, and they're they're two of my favorite people in the world, is around, you know, when you buy a house and it has a racquetball court in the backyard? Like, what do you do with that? You turn it into your own theater and host events.
1: Well, she's got two now. She built a second theater connected to Nice, nice. <laughs> and then Todd has his own movie theater, it, it's just an experience and she's got these wild animals you know emus and chickens and it's it's an it's just an experience the place itself and the beauty of it is is that it's isolated to the extent that there's no distractions once you come so for the cocktail hour in the evening it's not a cocktail hour it's a cocktail party it goes on for quite a few hours yes. usually there's entertainments last time we had mentalist demonstration we've had magicians we've had uh,
0: all kinds of interesting stuff so let me let me me point something out here that the one of the times because i've been to it twice now both out vegas and there was the time that this may not be an audience that knows a lot of the names in that mentalism space but what i was more impressed upon was here's someone who was there and did like some entertainment the day before but in in that field he is the rock star that everyone in that space knows, and he was there to learn what you were doing. He was there to also improve what he was doing as well. And it's that spread of the audience that some may be, I want to do my first speaking event, and others were at the top of their game wanting to, to level up.
1: Yeah, there's always somebody famous there. I've been so flattered by that. It's amazing. So the first day is the, is the cocktail party, which is the Friday evening, and then Saturday and Sunday are broken in two very distinct parts. Saturday is all about building the talk. If you're going to be a corporate speaker, what topic? What is going to be your topic? How can it be relevant to business? How do you structure it? What do you call it? As you pointed out, sometimes the subtitle is catchier than the actual title. And then called the brand and the hook, how do you do what's called a needs analysis? If you're going to speak to a financial services company, how do you set it up so that you understand their terminology and you build your talk so that it's relevant to that particular group? It's not difficult, but it's important that you sound like you are talking to the audience you're talking to, and it's not just a kind of a generic talk. And then the, the induction that I do was kind of built specifically to, for corporate speakers so that you can save a lot of time and picking out who the really good subjects are, and you end up with the eight subjects up one stage that you should have had in the first place, the ones that are very good subjects. That's why the demonstrations tend to be so dramatic. And of course, afterwards, if you're going to sell product, how do you sell the product?
0: Could I could I drop my favorite, and I may paraphrase it, so correct me here, or if mine's better, just claim this was it. This is my favorite Anthony Gailey quote, which is, rather than do the typical demonstration and bring up a bunch of people and only keep the people that are the right subjects, let's just bring up the people who already, quote, live there (laughs) and they do live there they're really and just that way of thinking about it is you know my my perspective of all things hypnosis is that it's a skill set and i can you know look at the anyone my firm opinion is everyone is hypnotizable because we understand what it actually is versus what the perspective might be And it's just that people can become that world-class client, subject, whatever words you want to use. They may not start there immediately, but they become that way by conditioning. And that's a theme that I hit very hard because I was a crappy hypnotic subject as a student growing into it. And now I'm, you know, Sean Michael Andrews, if he's doing a demo, he goes, Jason, come up here. I'm like, oh, we're doing Asdale, Okay. (laughs) Because I'm just going to go there now. Yeah. It's that way of looking at of not to use the term you know, negative way, but stacking the deck in a way that for the scale and for the audience that you're doing it for, you don't want to be going up there crossing the fingers. And you're thinking on that as just, okay, I'll say it genius.
1: It was necessity. Yeah. As a a corporate speaker, they don't say take as long as you want. As a corporate speaker, you need to have deliver a serious message. If you're going to do a hypnosis demonstration, you have to do an induction and find good hypnotic subjects. And then the end, you have to tie it in to the business or the presentation that you're giving. And if they say you've got 90 minutes, they don't mean 110 minutes. You know, if you're talking to 5,000 people and you go 110 minutes, someone's gonna come up and yell at you. You know, there's 5,000 cold lunches thanks to you. Thanks a lot. You know, so induction that I do was really a time-saving thing. Just, I mentioned, you know, most, a lot of stations will bring up 25 people do a fairly long induction, throw back the ones that are not good subjects and end up with the five or six they should have brought up in the first place. Why not just bring the five or six you should have brought up in the first place? And it was done not, I think some of those stage demonstrations are excellent. And part of it's the entertainment, but they have more time than I have. I had
0: to, it was a time saving. Well, it's that also your presentation was one part, the actual speaking. And then here came the demonstration that... Amplified all the themes you spoke about.
1: I've heard some hypnotists call themselves a corporate speaker, but they are entertainment hypnotists at a corporation. You know, this company hired me to do the entertainment portion after dinner, and that that can be construed, I'm sure, as corporate speaking. My definition is somewhat different. A corporate speaker, by my definition, is someone who is bringing something to the company that is of value. It's called a takeaway that if they hear the presentation or see the hypnosis demonstration, they're gonna learn something that's going to make them better in their business. It's got a you know clear cut, valuable business message. And it's not difficult to do. I mean, it's, all the hypnotherapists are doing it one at a time with their subjects. It's not difficult to take the same approach and homogenize it to the point where it's a message that could be construed for the entire company or the entire convention. And that was, that was kind of the insight that, you know, deliver a valuable content-driven message at the end of which they say, you know, I learned something I didn't know before. I now know how to get and stay focused on my goals or I have a technique now to program myself if that's the goal or the objective. And that's, it's a subtle difference, but it's one that I think some people miss.
0: But so in many ways, day one themed around how to actually create the program and day two is diving into the actual business of getting those stages.
1: Who do, Who's going to buy this? In other words, the corporate speaking market, how do you contact them? How do you find them? How do you contact them? What do you say to them once you contact them? And that was an improvement that was made. I would describe to people how to call people and get yourself booked. And somebody, I don't know if you were in this, this was the third or fourth or fifth uh, class. Someone just said, how would you make the call? And, and I made one. I said, yeah. somebody, <laughs> somebody <fix it." laughs> <And> they me <would>, it." <laughs> Somebody pick it, and
0: we we brought it up. And everybody in the room whipped out the cell phones, found the voice recorder memos, and like, how do we hear this? (laughs) And I made a call, and I
1: got through and, you know, did my thing, and they said, it's that easy? Yeah, it's that easy. So what I started doing was, in the workbook, there's now printed scripts. If you do have difficulty knowing what to say or how to say it, here is what to say when they answer the phone, if you're dealing with the receptionist, whatever. Here's if you've got the admin, how to handle them. When you get to the decision maker, here's what to say and how to say it. That was a huge improvement. And that came from comments in the audience. You know, you talk about calling people and you know, asking, them, how do you call them? <laughs> well, you bigger right? and what do you say? Yeah, well, and me just relating it to them wasn't enough. So it's part of the workbook now.
0: Which the event's coming up in September, and I'd love to do this if you can send over. We're recording this a couple of weeks in advance of it coming out. It's coming out you're going to be at hypno thoughts live and because this comes out right before that event and a lot of those folks will also hear it can you talk about some of the presentations you're also doing there
1: yeah like some is the business coming back i don't market anymore i'm i'm kind of retired <laughs> and uh, continually get calls from clients that have used me in the past and friday i will be speaking to a group called infinite company in dallas this is the friday before hypno thoughts I'm going to fly in on Saturday. I speak Sunday morning, but then I have to be back in New Jersey on Monday because I'm speaking to an insurance company on Monday and another insurance company in New York on Tuesday. And then I fly to Silicon Valley, Santa, not Santa Clara, Santa, anyhow, Silicon Valley and I speak to a company yeah. out there. Those are all groups that called me, none, none of which were a result of marketing, So the business is booming. Yeah, they're looking for speakers. When they're calling me and I'm retired, they're looking for speakers. So it has definitely bounced back. And I think it'll ultimately come back right now bigger and better than ever because they had that year or two years where they weren't getting the conventions, getting the people together, firing them up, clarifying what their objectives were. So it's back.
0: I love it. I love it. I tell you what. In this conversation, we've referenced a whole bunch of things. I'll pull some videos as well, and we'll make this easy on the crowd. WorkSmartHypnosis.com forward slash 417. We'll link to the upcoming events. We'll link to some other resources online. And Anthony, glad we recorded this for folks to hear. This has been great.
1: Thanks for having me again, Jason. And I'll always enjoy talking to you. You are a font of information. You are absolutely a well of information.
0: It's unbelievable. And Thank you for that. And I'd love to let you have the last word here. I'll ask you a question. This will wrap us up, which would be for someone who is, let's say, recognizing that where they are right now in the state of whatever kind of business that they're in, and they're realizing that they want to move things to, let's generalize it and say, a higher level, a more impactful thing, a more profitable thing. What would be that piece of advice you'd share?
1: At the moment, it would be Start public speaking if you've never done it locally in your town. There are Lions Clubs, there are Kiwanis, there are all these church groups and just go and stand in front of them and give a presentation that you think is interesting and valuable and listen to what people say afterwards and you know, tie it into a hypnosis demonstration. It's not difficult to do, but get out there and start speaking to people and see how they respond to you and how they respond to what you say. Most people are surprised. I think people tend to do it backwards when they come out of my course they'll say when i do follow-ups i haven't given a speech yet i want to rehearse it i want it to be perfect i don't want to go up there and make a fool out of myself i said let me ask you a question if someone called you and said ten thousand dollar speech for you next tuesday would you go yeah would you give a speech yeah okay well do that you know start today you may bomb it doesn't matter if you bomb you are an unknown it doesn't matter if you stand up and absolutely it just falls apart you'll videotape it and you'll know what's wrong i promise you after you give two to three four speeches at most it'll be smooth you'll know what works and what doesn't work you'll have confidence you'll see your body language you'll know what the audience is responding to and then you'll be confident enough to take it to the world and begin marketing it it is not difficult and most of you are better than you think you are
0: Thanks again for listening to the program, as well as interacting with our phenomenal guest, as well as reaching out and saying hello to me. And you can find it very easy to stay in contact with both me as well as Anthony. This is session number 417 of the podcast. So if you head over to WorkSmartHypnosis.com forward slash four one seven. All of the previous appearances we talked about in this conversation will be archived there for you. The details of Anthony's upcoming event. I believe this episode is coming out just in time. For those of you who are going to be there at HypnoThoughts Live to definitely pop over and say hello to him. Say hello to me. Once again, if you're listening in time, challenge.worksmarthypnosis.com. That's the post-conference I'm doing that you absolutely don't want to miss. And to see exactly how to connect with Anthony and basically as I'm recording this, I now officially have about two weeks to twist his arm and get a coupon code for you, if he'll do it. If not, I'll throw in some bonuses. WorkSmartHypnosis.com forward slash 417. That's where you can go to find all the details on how to connect with the Corporate Hypnotist Masterclass.
1: Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.